this without any exaggeration, any hesitation, any hyperbole. My favorite person in the world to talk to, especially something like this podcast, radio guest, is Michelle Beal. Now, I had, I'm totally biased, and I had the opportunity <laughs> to work with Michelle in a place that neither one of us can remember. So we won't even harp on that. Eight's on Shander, Shander Show. Beatle, it's always my pleasure. How are you? I am awesome, and I am. I can hear the happiness in your voice. I recognize it, and I'm so happy for you. We escaped, so we are. We are. We cherish our days now. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, soon it's going to be a time in, in which we won't even remember it, and it'll just oh. be moving forward. We'll be the. I'll be the ESPN Philly guy, and you'll be the superstar that you are, the ESPN, and we'll talk about the HBO stuff and beyond. But. We won't even remember it. It'll be a, a dark spot in our brain that we'll never be able to talk about. I feel like those are the things that make us who we are, as cheesy as that sounds, and, you know, life lessons and all that good stuff. I mean, it happened, and I learned a lot, and you sort of learned about people, and, you know, you know, you went through the exact same thing, and, you know, there are people I will never work with again, and I'm a thousand percent okay with that. <laughs> Can I just say ditto <laughs> and, and move on? All right. You can follow Michelle at Michelle D. Beetle if you're one of the million-plus people that follow her already on Twitter. Let's start there. And okay. not many people know this, that you're as real as it gets, and yet you're also an ass-kicker. So a colleague of yours, Molly, and, and this is the story that came out. And, again, we always talk about the moments of the year, and every now and again you get something that gets slipped under the rug the last week of December, right? Maybe the 25th or 6th of December. In this yep. case, you nailed it right at the end of the year. And <laughs> a lot of people thought on the surface when I was having this discussion with people that it was you who was directly attacked, but instead no. it was a colleague of yours, Molly Knight, and then all of a sudden be you step in with your shit kickers and just lay down the hammer. I mean, I will say this. Twitter is an amazing, it, for as much as I sometimes think it's just the worst thing that humans have ever done, there are days when you're like, yeah, you know what? It's actually kind of a cool little invention we put together. And the way that whole happened, you know, it's no secret that FSU Twitter, that hashtag, that, that group of, uh, of people that came together for all the wrong reasons, they were, not a, they were not a fun group to deal with. I mean, whether it be they were ridiculing women. I mean, it goes as far back as Tallahassee Police Department revealing names of ESPN reporters, giving out phone numbers, giving out addresses. They were making things public that in an otherwise ethical world would never be made so. So you had a combination of, you know, the world turning against Florida State, which all started with Jameis Winston. Mm -hmm. You had a fan base that was rabid and whose priorities were completely out of whack. And then you had... People attacking women on Twitter. And I've also, I've gotten to know most of the women I have met in the last several years through Twitter. And they're all people I respect, whether it be for their work, I think they're funny, whatever the reason is. Molly happens to be one of those people. And on this particular day, some gentlemen uh, decided to say some really graphic stuff to her, things that, you know, now in hindsight, knowing that he's a registered sex offender, right. probably should not have been saying to anyone uh, at all. And so what happened was she's tweeting all this. I'm seeing this happen. And then somebody else on Twitter, I don't know whether they knew the guy, they recognized his picture, what it was, but they knew. And they sent the link to his, his, his website or whatever it is, the Florida Department of Criminals. <laughs> whatever that's called. And, they, uh, and there, sure, there was everything. It was sitting there. It was him. Uh, he was guilty of these disgusting things. And we just, we just dropped the bomb on him. It's not very often that you can sort of, things around. I mean, we live in a world where people Google your name, 
And whatever crap is out there about you, that's what they use. And sure. it gets old. I mean, years down the road, you're like, oh, okay, we're doing this again. This is the first time in a long time when you're like, not only is this guy a troll, but he happens to also be a monster and, and, and has been found guilty of being one. And so it, he shut it down. Whether he's been hitchhiking his way across country to come kill me, that's a whole other thing that we're going to wait and see. But, <laughs> but for now, I, you know, he disappeared that day. I'm sure he's popped up somewhere else. But I have a feeling he realized real quickly that probably not supposed to be doing social media given his circumstances. I'm sure. And, and first and foremost, the entire world has your back on that one. So <laughs> it, it would be like, uh, I'll, I'll meet you in Temecula time, part two, oh, you know, where everybody in the world it. would line up with the defend you, Beetle. <laughs> Driving to Temecula, bro. I'll see you there. <laughs> That's right. But you know, one thing that it, it and I was reading these articles and the blog postings at, before the interview tonight, just to see what they were writing, and you're, it was beyond graphic and it was ignorant, and rightfully oh. so that you call him out. And one thing that was brought to attention, and you know, where we can continue to go here, is just what you deal with and what you and Molly and, and other female colleagues who do the work who put in the time just and more so because you really can't afford to make a mistake. I can make a mistake right. on the air. Right. Uh, you can't because now all of a sudden you've got the ignorant, the degenerates that come out. Oh, well, you shouldn't be there in the first place, all that mm -hmm. stuff. And I thought that from the blogosphere and from the people who caught it and were writing up on it, even if it was you and not the focus so much on Molly, I think from the general perception, it was, hey, listen, this is not a one-time thing. This no. is just you and Michelle Beadle saying enough is enough. It's, it's, um, it's that social media thing. We, we take the, the very, very ugly with the good, and that's what we agreed to when we decided to all kind of participate in this Twitter world or Facebook or whatever it is that people are doing. Um, you know, and, and some people I've noticed, I've seen like some celebrities and actors, they've decided to check out because I think we've gotten to a point now where you sort of are either going to poop or get off the pot. You're mm. either going to let yourself take this, which, you know, it's abuse. I mean, they're from strangers, so at the end of the day, who really cares what Bob on his couch thinks? But I think the difference with women in this business versus men is the go-to insult for a man in this business when we, when someone doesn't like him is, oh, what do you know? You never even played the sport. Or if it happens to be a former athlete, oh, what do you know? You never even won the big one. Those are the two go-tos. That's about as rough as it gets because we know that men – are not as vain as women. And we know that men are not judged as harshly as women are on our looks and our weight and our age and all of those things that we get crushed for. On the other side of that is the fact that as a woman, the go-to insults are always going to be something along the lines of, you know, you stepped your way here, the athletes that you've hooked up with, you're promiscuous, you're this, you're that. I've seen it. I've seen my friends get it. I've seen women that I may not even know get it. It's just, it's an easy out and an easy insult, especially when you don't know someone, um, to just throw that out there to somebody of the opposite sex. And that's kind of where we are. It's sad because it just goes to show some people, are, they're not listening. They're not really taking into account what people are saying. I think they're, I think we've been shown there are plenty of women in this business who are fantastic at what they do. They say intelligent things on a daily basis. They are go-tos for when stories break. You know, we want to have a a different perspective on things. I want to hear what they have to say. Um, and for some, you know, degenerate amoebas, it's still okay in their mind to just attack personally and, and, or what they think is personal. I laugh because yeah. it's most of the time it's the guy who's like proud father of three or I love my daughter. Or, I love I'm God. A Christian. Right, like, right. Who are you? Like, what is wrong with you? And those are the guys that I think I laugh at 
the most throughout this entire process. Michelle Beadle, our guest, Aton Shander. It is the Shander Show. Again, you can follow Michelle, if you're not already, at Michelle D. Beadle for more fireworks and, and great witty banter and quips as well. <laughs> when was the first time that you knew this was your career? When was that Ooh. moment when you thought, okay, you know what, all the dreaming, and, and we'll get to the hurdles that you've had to overcome, but <laughs> when was that moment where you said, you know what, I I'm, I made it, I'm here? Well, I still think that. I mean, I feel oh, like... Oh, come on. Michelle, I mean, let me like, cut in right no, now. You are a freaking <laughs> you know? celebrity. Hardly. No, but you know what it is, like... You may, I love my job, and I love my life, and I'm very happy, but there's always, you know, people that are wired the way we are, you're never fully satisfied. I mean, I always yes. am going to wake up tomorrow and be like, man, I wonder what the next thing is, or I wonder, you know, five years from now, what am I going to be doing? And I, I just, I've always been that way. Um, some may consider it a flaw. I just, I think it's what keeps me going. I'm really competitive, and I, I sort of just want to kick everyone's butt and have the best I can do. And so I'm never going to really feel that. I mean, even when I thought about, like, you know, like a guy like Jimmy Fallon. Like, does he sit back and go, man, I'm, this is it. I'm done. I don't have to do anything else. Probably not, because I feel like you don't get to that point by being complacent and satisfied, which is awesome. Okay. Um, Let me rephrase it then. Because yeah. <laughs> you've clearly outsmarted me, so let, let me try to rephrase it. When you look at short-term goals, because you're right, when you're wired and, and you continue to push, especially in this entertainment business, you can't be satisfied. You always have to be looking over your shoulder or ahead, right. whatever way, if not both. So as far as the short-term goals, what was the one, maybe it was a show, maybe it was getting to ESPN, maybe it was back in new, doing radio in New York. What was the short-term goal that you achieved that you said, okay, I'm on the right path? I think, the, well, I knew, I knew getting a job at ESPN um, was, was a big deal. I mean, obviously, you get into the at that point, I'd been in television for a minute, but I'd been doing not just sports, but also been doing sort of hosting jobs for various kinds of shows. So it wasn't strictly sports, but I also knew if you want to be a sports person and you want to be doing it the right way, you got to get some sort of a job over at ESPN. Um, at that point in my career, I also was kind of like, oh, I don't really want to know. I don't know what I want to do. You know, I know I'm at this Colin Coward character. Mm -hmm. It sort of just took over. I think the moment when I realized that the show we were doing was was different and kind of cool was when we took it on the road and we did a tour of uh, Big Ten colleges. We did a different college a day. Um, we were doing a show, getting on a plane, flying to the next place, doing a whole other thing outside with, with a bunch of kids and speaking. And I was just like, man, this is actually kind of cool. Like, it may be goofy and it's not for everyone. And I realize that and I'm 100% okay with that. But the people that do watch the show, it's just, I just don't think sports needs to be taken so seriously all the time. I mean, there are times it needs to be when it's involving human issues, things that we all need to talk about. But when it comes to, look, your quarterback's better than mine, it's, that's funny. We don't need to make that, like, something to the death. It just needs to be talked about as it is. It's a form of entertainment. We all spend a lot of money and time on it, but that's it. And I like the way we handle it on the show. It's, it's, just, it's just fun. I mean, it's just that simple. Yeah, and it's clearly since you left and then now you're back, it's changed. So for people that are new to the show, maybe somebody who's <laughs> just new to this country, what would you say is the most Michelle Beadle thing about the new Sports Nation? Uh, you know, I think we've we've gone back to being a little bit more on the goofy side. I mean, look, I'm just coming off of a week in Dallas getting up ready for the big college championship game. And we literally had segments during the entire week where we ate random fried animals, we played flip cup basket and we played uh, beer pong and we rode a mechanical bull. Nice. I mean, where else are they doing that? Like that's just ridiculousness at its most. And 
it was fun, and we had people come on there and do things that I don't think. I mean, look, I do Bud Webb at Beer Pong, for God's sake. Like, am I ever going to get to do that again? No. <laughs> so, to me, it was like, all right, we kind of got goofy again, and I, I don't mind that, and I'm hoping everyone else is having a good time. It feels like it. It definitely comes across. How involved are you? Before it actually gets on air, in the prep process, how involved are you personally in all these segments, ideas to execution? You know, for me, I'm not as, like, look, I'm not going to try to pretend I get there when these guys get there. These kids, and yes, as I get older each year, they become younger. <laughs> so at, like, the morning, 7 in the morning, wow. they are working all day. And when we finish the show at, at 1 o'clock, that first time, we're just starting over working on the next show. So it's constant, and the ideas are constant, and they're having to book guests try to figure out something fun to do with them. My contribution is just, I just do things off the top of my head. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. I don't get there at 7 a.m. with the rest of them. I get there at 9 o'clock. By then, they've pretty much figured out the format of the show. Now we just want to come up with details. So, you know, sometimes if we're going to come up with a goofy open or maybe some sort of a, a pun or one-liner, there's a little bit of, I don't actually say, I just make it up as I go. But uh, it's, that's kind of mine. I'm just sort of like, the idiot who says things out loud, and they're like, oh, that might work. And that's fine, popping. But not every time. <laughs> but more times than not, it works. You've got a pretty good accuracy rate. Oh, well, I mean, it's just, I, I'm, I'm happy that we have people that we're all sort of willing to make jackasses of ourselves. I, I, this is what I've always said. I've said, look, I'll try anything once. If I don't like it, I won't do it again. And I think it's the same way for a show. Try everything once. If it doesn't work, just do something else. It's not that hard. It's not rocket science. Right. Michelle Beadle, our guest, Aton Shander. It is The Shander Show. Again, Michelle on Twitter, at Michelle D. Beadle. So looking at your time at ESPN, and it is the destination for anybody in this business, if you're in radio, if you're in TV, if you're doing stuff online, that truly is the destination. When you look at your time before and, and now, as your popularity has grown, I'm sure that you still sometimes have to deal with the same hurdle or the same obstacle that you did 10, 15 years ago. And, and not to look at it as a negative, because it really right. is a beautiful thing up at, at Bristol for you, but maybe not even internally. Maybe it's just an, an external perception. But it, it, first off, what would that be? And, and also, how frustrating is that, that you still can't get beyond that? I feel very fortunate in what I was given the chance to do, you know, almost five years ago, and then now I'm back doing it. it, There weren't a lot of, I don't even know that there were many at all, actually, at that point. There weren't a lot of shows in which the female was also allowed to have opinions. Mm. There were a million shows in which the female was a host, and she directed traffic, and she got the two males or the male or whoever from A to B, but she wasn't really ever giving any sort of take on anything. Um, And I was lucky that when Colin and I started Sports Nation, you know, originally it was, it was supposed to be exactly that. I was there to play traffic cop. I was there to get Colin from A to B. And, you know, it was his vehicle. And it just slowly, naturally, and organically morphed into something more because he and I just got along. Our chemistry was, was, was easy and painless and wonderful. And it just became that. We didn't plan it. I think that was sort of a, like a blessing in disguise. I, I mean, in the five years since we started, I've seen women across the board. Everyone's got a problem. Look, my, my biggest, I don't want to, I guess disappointment is a good word. My biggest disappointment and my biggest sort of fear for women in this business is that they're only ever going to be sideline reporters. And to me, that's just, you know, that's good for some. Like, I was a sideline reporter at one point in my life. It's not a job I ever want to do again. I, I look at it as like a stepping stone I think people should use to get to whatever the next chapter is. And it's, for a time, that was really all there was for us to do. 
And so that has changed quite obviously. I mean, um, whether it be on ESPN, over on Fox, um, you know, name another sports channel if there's one. Those are, you're seeing women kind of have a different role, and I love that. I, and I, I feel lucky enough that because I was given that chance to give my opinion, that I sort of earned a little equity, and I will meet with people now, and they'll sort of say, like, you know, even now we're talking about what's next and what am I going to do next at ESPN, and there are chances that I don't think were there, you know, 10 years ago. And I'm so grateful that that has happened because all these women have come out, whether it be through writing or through television or radio or all three of those things, they've shown themselves to be just as valid when it comes to having opinions on things. And, and you know, here we are. There's no reason why Sarah Spain in Chicago couldn't be called upon when we're talking about a domestic violence issue, even more so, perhaps, than her male counterpart elsewhere. And I'm seeing that more and more. And, and I'm so happy for it because whenever kids ask me today, like, what do you do? What advice do you have? I just, I get kind of optimistic because mm-hmm. I feel like we're getting away from the pretty girl just wanting to be on TV and not really wanting to try to, you know, be pretty to women who are like, no, I actually want to, I want to do what you're doing. I want to have opinions. I want to be taken seriously. And I love it. It feels like progress to me. You kicked ass when you were hosting on the NBA show, the uh, oh, so the, fun. the pregame show, and and yeah. I, I forget the the technical name, but you know pre intermission and um and the show NBA, NBA countdown NBA countdown. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I was drowning right there, but you nailed it. You hit it. So you and I, I said that honestly, you came in there and, and you really kicked ass. And as you were explaining, just the roles and expanded roles, and still not to where we want to be, but. Progress. Doris Burke comes to mind. Do you have any interest in calling games? I know it's the one thing that scares the holy living hell out of me. <laughs> Why? I, I will. I will listen to Doris do it. Um, you know, there was a Stephanie Reddy, I believe her name. I was just talking about her today because it looked like she was filling in for Del Curry over the weekend, and I just thought that is that is so freaking cool that they because it's that to me is scary. Like that is. Um, I can I can do a show. I can do whatever television show you want to try to give me. I'll do it. I'll at least try it once. But when it comes to calling a game, I have the utmost respect for the women who are getting to do that. And I hope we see more. To me, Doris Burke is just she's a badass, mm. and I've always loved her. So I'm loving seeing her hosting. And for example, not just a sideline reporter. She can call a game. She can host a studio show. She can do whatever she wants. And that to me is just such a good example for everybody watching. Like that's what you want. Because let's be honest. There are only so many jobs out there, and we all need to make a living. So the more stuff you can actually do, the better your chances of making some cash. And that's that's the game, isn't it? <laughs> exactly right. Well, not in radio, but TV, yes. That, that's what I'm told. One of these yeah, days. Oh, that's, that's that weird extraterrestrial or whatever they call that. Yeah, and, and it's also Stern, which, you know, he's the anomaly. I don't think many other he people. Is. Well, maybe Francesa, but then again, you know, that's a whole yeah. other topic. Yeah. So la- last one on ESPN, and... Again, just this was a, a major moment, transcendent moment. For me, being in this business, I was surprised, not in a negative sense, but in a happy, almost rewarding sense. I was actually on the air in Philadelphia when the news came of Stuart Scott's passing, and we, oh. st- we stopped what we were doing and started talking about Stuart and the legacy that he left, not only recently with just his power for worlds about fighting cancer, but really the yeah. transcendence of him early on and the combination of entertainment and sports. What was your relationship like with Stuart working at ESPN? have very similar stories about Sports Scott, and bizarrely enough, it's not the same day this happened. Which is I that right? Be, 
Yeah, so I never really saw Stewart in Bristol. Um, I think by the time we were there, he was, you know, he was really battling it, and he would have some pretty off days. He just wasn't there. And if he was there, he was there for a later sports center, and we were already gone by then. When I did get to meet him was we did a charity football game, black football, against the Bristol, I believe it was Bristol Police Department. And, you know, it was Kenny Main and Doug Gottlieb and me and just some, you know, a bunch of random on-air people who were like, yeah, let's do this. And then and knock on that uh, in front of the camera. And Stuart was part of the team. And I would never forget it. We all were supposed to get there at a certain time that we'd made up. And Stuart comes a little bit later. But he is dressed to the nines as a professional football player. He's got he's got everything, he's got the socks pulled up, he's got the head thing, he's got the, the eye black, and we were all just like, what in the hell? Like a professional football player. And we were dying, because we were wearing t-shirts and whatever these crappy jerseys were that we made for ourselves. <laughs> um, he was doing calisthenics, I'm like, oh man, this, okay, this is happening. And it, for me, that was like, I really hadn't had too much of an interaction, you know, maybe a little bit at, a, at an ESPY award, but it's so bizarre because I think we take for granted and you've seen it now since his passing in the tributes and the words that have been said. You know, people come and go from this, this ride all the time. Not everybody gets the sort of tribute and, and treatment. And you saw that, and it was pretty special. And I think people take for granted what he did at a time when no one else was doing it. And we all sort of do what he did now, and we just it's just the norm. But when he did it, it wasn't. And I think Rich Eisen was the one that I listened to talking about because he was his partner on the air. And, and you just realize, like, yeah, you know, we take advantage that we say goofy things and catchphrases and, and make things fun. Um, but that's not always how it was. And he did that, and he did it as a black man. And it was like he was fighting, like, three different obstacles that other people didn't have to do. And he didn't seem to give a rap. And you have to, you have to tip your hat to that because... It takes a lot. It takes a big step to be able to walk in there and just say, I'm going to do it this way, and it's either going to work or it's not. Yeah, really well said. And, and what a great story, too. I never that was heard. amazing. And Merrill Hodge apparently has a similar story, because Merrill wasn't on this team, a completely different team. <laughs> That's great. That is hilarious. <laughs> Michelle Penal is our guest. It is the Shander Show. Aton Shander, you're a huge boxing fan, and you got an opportunity. It's still going on, but you're in hiatus right now to work on a show, The Fight Game, on HBO. I've caught a couple of these, and this is great for you because it's kind of like, I don't want to say guilty pleasure, but it's kind of a chance for you to expand a little bit in the sports world, and even more so, I, I don't know many female analysts or, or people that are involved in the sport of boxing that are as prominent as you. Well, it's, it's, you know what it is? It's, and I, I talk with Max Pelham. It's Max Pelham and Jim Lampley. Um, those two have been working together forever. Max's background is predominantly boxing, and then he branched out. Um, and they just, they, neither the preeminent voices in that sport. I always found the sport fascinating in that, you know, it used to be big. I remember being a teenager, and Mike Tyson was bigger than anything in the world. And those fights were, they were like miniature Super Bowls every time they happened. And I lived nowhere near Las Vegas, and it still, I knew how big they were. Um, and then we sort of have this, this dry period where we're either looking for the next big superstar or trying to find someone to cheer for. The MMA has happened with this sort of, I don't want to say diluted the fan base, but it's definitely given people another option as far as that kind of a sport is concerned, a, a, a violent sort of contact sport. I'm kind of fascinated by watching it, whether or not it's going to continue 
you grow, whether or not you're going to have some sort of really dead period before they figure out who the next state superstar is. You know, the United States of America are in a bit of a situation because they need to produce the next big star. And Floyd Mayweather makes it very difficult for people to cheer for him. You either like the guy or you can't stand his face. And that's it. There is no middle ground. Um, and, you know, and he's also getting older. So it's, it's, to me, it's, we don't get to see it very often, but we're getting to see a sport sort of in a bizarre place. Oh. That's my dog, by the way. Oh, no, no problem. <laughs> You've got three, right? Yeah, I've got three, but one thinks he's a watchdog, and, of course, it's the smallest one, which is not scary. <laughs> uh, you know, and I, I like being a part of it with the two great guys that cover boxing because I learn something every single day, um, things that I would have never known otherwise. And it's just, it's enjoyable. And it's HBO, um, and my subjects, when I interview them, get to cuss, which, you know, may sound like a small thing, but it is not. It is awesome. That is fantastic. <laughs> What's your opinion on female fighters, boxing and MMA? I have no issue with it. Um, it's, I don't know if it's because I'm a woman or because I was never really told that there were supposed to be specific gender roles. You know, you're supposed to play with your blue car, and I'm supposed to play with my pink, you know, doll. Right. Like, that wasn't really enforced in my home. Um, violence is violence. Beating someone up is beating someone up. And if it's female on female or male on male, I don't personally see the difference. I've heard the arguments from, I mean, men that I respect who are huge sports people, they're, I think Colin might have actually been one. He just wasn't a fan. He didn't like the idea of watching two women just pummel each other to a bloody pulp. Um, it doesn't bother me. You know, I think this, the Ronda Rouseys of the world and all the girls that are looking up to her to be the next great, I think it's just it's a fascinating mix of complete and total athleticism, just ass-kicking abilities, uh, very violent. She just happens to also be quite stunning to look at. And so it's just it's confusing. I find it to be probably confusing for those who don't want to support it. I think it's awesome. I wish I could beat someone up like that. I don't have a fighting bone in my body. I got only words, words are my weapons, and that's it. Then I'm out. All right, listen, you watch first take. <laughs> I don't want to get you in trouble. I was going to say, you watch first take enough. Maybe it'll get the blood flowing to the point where you will knock somebody out. You never know. You never know. I guess if I was forced to, I might have to. Well, listen, again, we'll steer away from that. The last thing I want to do is get you in trouble. All right, you mentioned your, your, your household. I don't know a bigger Spurs fan than you. Have they yeah. dedicated a statue to you yet in San Antonio? What's the latest? You used to you know, battle so, with the Heat I, fans when they left uh, early. It was, well, because that's embarrassing. I mean, that was embarrassing. And as we found out... It was a specific type of heat fan. They're the kinds that were only there from 2010 to 14, and now it's sort of a, a, a neutral site once again. Um, yeah, no, I, you know what's great about the Spurs is I've made no secret. Like, they were my first internship. They gave me my first real shot in front of a camera. Um, they're the reason why I'm even doing this for a living, not because I worked for them, but because legitimately my first chance in front of a camera was with them, and I would have never even known about this whole world. And so, you know, I was a fan since I was 12 years old, it's great. I mean, every year I just got back, they um, they asked me for the last few years to go back and co-host the gala they have with Sean Elliott, who was my favorite player growing up. He's so great. it's just one of those, you know, you know, in this business, there are people that we love as fans. And for me, that's almost like it came full circle. I started there. I love them. I support them. And then I'm, I'm sort of been asked to be remain part of the family. And it's, it's a pretty cool feeling. I mean, there aren't a lot of situations where that gets to happen and, and i feel very grateful that this one has right and again i associate you when it comes to fandom with the spurs which <laughs> isn't the norm i think for a lot of national media members and i don't know if it's because they don't want to alienate themselves when i did national stuff i had no problem telling people that i was an eagles <laughs> fan and i knew that i would piss 75 percent of the country off do you ever does that ever come to mind i mean clearly it's no problem for you 
Yeah, well, I mean, no. I mean, let's just be honest. I, I could probably stand to think a few more seconds before I speak, but that's really never going to happen because I'm almost 40 and it hasn't started. <laughs> um, but, we love you for but that. You know what? <laughs> it's either going to get me fired or promoted. I have no <laughs> idea. Um, the, the wonderful thing is, though, I've, I'm not a reporter. You know, I'm not... I'm not, I don't have a column where I have to be unbiased to every team. I, I, I am a person who gets to just really kind of say whatever I'm thinking and have opinions. And I like certain athletes. I don't like certain athletes. I love certain teams, hate others. Um, I, but I also have noticed that trend is sort of, you're kind of seeing it more and more. I mean, we know certain people whose teams that they like. You know, we know Chris Berman likes certain teams. We know Bucci Goss is a big hockey guy and he follows this. You know, there was a time when you would never, it was almost like you, the same way you don't say how you vote. It was almost like that with sports. But I feel like we're slowly getting away from that because it's impossible. You know, we all tweet our personal lives. Right. And if, if, uh, if so-and-so tweets a picture with a certain hat on, you're like, oh, well, she must be a Cubs fan. Okay, so that's that. It's no longer a secret, nor should it have ever been. But the old schoolers, they still think it should be. But I, I think that is slowly dying, that notion. couple more, Michelle. Michelle Beadle, our guest, Aton Shander. It is the Shander Show. You only have one choice. I don't want to oh, desert island you by any means, but <laughs> think along the lines of a serious recommendation, one that would put your ability to recommend stuff in jeopardy if you got this wrong. Homeland oh, no. or Game of Thrones? Oh, God. Okay. You know what? It's Game of Thrones, but you know, if you'd asked me that a year ago, I wouldn't have even thought twice about it because it was easily Game of Thrones because I feel like Homeland, I believe season three, I lost interest, as, as did a lot of people. It was this last season that got me back on board, and I'm totally intrigued on where this whole storyline's going. But for me, Game of Thrones, since minute one, has been musty television. Nobody's safe. There aren't a lot of shows that will just kill a main character like it's nothing. Unbelievable. Uh, and keeps us on our toes. I mean, how many shows do you know that we've been waiting a year, and we're just all like, what is it, March 12th? And we're just sitting here like idiots, like, March 12th, March 12th. Right. Like, <laughs> I can't wait. I don't, I, I'm That's waiting power. to see who's going to die. Does, oh, that, does well, that make think, me bad? I'm in, you want to hear nerdy? I'm going to give you nerdy. I'm reading, like, dork blogs where they're like, well, uh, nice. Kit Harrington cut his hair, which is leading me to believe that Jon Snow dies. I'm like, oh, God, why am I reading this? <laughs> it's brutal. But that it's is awesome. hilarious. All right, last one for you. What's the biggest positive and the biggest negative for your New York Jets losing Rex Ryan? Oh, my God. Oh, wow. The biggest, oh, that's a tough one. Well, the biggest positive is they'll, they'll have a brand-new punching bag, which, you know, everybody loves a new toy. Um, and the biggest negative, I think they're going to miss him. I mean, I know for sure, without a doubt, the media will miss him because he was a gift, whether you thought he was entertaining or you thought it was annoying or whatever you thought of it, it was, we don't all get to have coaches and interactions with people like that. So he is a gift and the people in Buffalo will have fun. Um, but I think they're going to miss him. I truly do. I, I think they're going to look back on this and, and think the same way I personally feel about, you know, the Mark Sanchez story. I feel like a lot of those things didn't get a fair shot, uh, and I hate using the word fair as an adult, but media will miss him. They'll be bored with the next guy. It won't be as sexy and juicy and fun, and uh, I, I hope, I find myself sort of wanting to become a Bills fan just to follow him up there. But oh, I like no, the come on. Like, come it, on, he is a, he's a gift. A Bills gift fan, though? Hearing. You can't stay in division, <laughs> can you? <laughs> Isn't that weird? Well, uh, no, I jumped off the Jets thing, not because of him, but because of my Vic, Vic so yeah. I, I was done. Um but yeah, I got, I have been I've been without a team since. I've sort of just been floating, watching everything. Can I so. interest you in the Philadelphia Eagles? They <laughs> run a fast-paced offense. Hey, you know what? There were some fun games to watch with the Eagles. I, I'm not going to hate at all. Well, you're one of few, Michelle. Yeah, there's some pretty fun 
Collins. <laughs> Host of Sports Nation, also on the Fight Game HBO, also Twitter hero and ass kicker as well. So watch your mouth on Twitter. You can follow her at Michelle D. Beadle. It's such a pleasure. Thank you so much. I'm so happy for you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks to Michelle Beadle. Again, at Michelle D. Beadle on Twitter. It is Aton Shander on The Shander Show.